Hello and welcome to Canard Rinse Sound of Play 248. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favorite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Ryan Hammond, in Sound of Play 248 is my uh, playwright, co-contributor, Ryan Quintel. Yes, co-conspirator. Thank you for having me here on It is Sound a conspiracy now, yeah. <laughs> How you doing, H? I'm uh, I'm doing okay. It's been a very busy weekend and uh, a very busy week as well. And so I'm still trying to, I'm, I'm about like, you know, two projects behind where I should be right now, but we're, we're recording a podcast. We're, you know, creating, I, I guess I can't really say the stuff I'm doing for work, but you know, it's, it's all exciting. Very it's all good exciting. stuff. It's just a lot of it. <laughs> I found myself also sort of 
I don't know if stifled's the right word for side projects, but I literally sat down at my desk and I've got my Mac hooked up and I've got my PC hooked up and I'm in the middle of sort of trying to do my best to learn Swift UI, which is Apple's sort of app coding language, mm-hmm. some of the new frameworks that they made that's a little bit more friendly for non-coders like me. I downloaded and desperately want to get my hands on Gears Tactics. Uh, mm. And I found myself just frozen. I was like, I don't know which one of these to do right now. One of them I will feel productive. Another one I am uh, giving my hand at a genre that sometimes I also need to struggle through. So uh, it'll. I'm I'm also in that kind of like, what what do I do right now space? Over the past few weeks, I've been basically like downloading and playing every fighting game I can get my hands on. Yeah, I saw this on Twitter. What's what's going on? I don't know. It's just for some reason like. I've always enjoyed fighting games to an extent, but I've never been like good at them. I've always been really impressed by like the really creative characters that I see in these like usually weirdo, obscure Japanese arcade fighting games. And I was just like, I got really curious. I'm just like, I want to see what the weirdest characters out there are. And so I, you know, downloaded a bunch of fighting games and ones that I already had from steam so you know um king of Humble fighters bundles, and guilty gear and, yeah yeah <laughs> i've just been like getting super into playing them and have been like buying and downloading a bunch of others and uh it's it's just been like super fun so i've been going through this whole journey still as kind of a fighting game novice like i'm not really aiming to become a competitive level expert or anything but i've just been like trying all these like weird fighting games that I've never heard of before and then kind of comparing and contrasting my experiences and uh, finding ones that really sit well with me and ones that, you know, aren't uh, quite meshing as well. And it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. I imagine that all these fighting games are also going to give you a very valuable bank of cool tracks to mine for sound of play <laughs> uh, certainly fighting games yeah. i feel like have some of the best most concise and uh because they repeat so often memorable tracks in modern video games yeah i found myself lately because i i've been playing all these on pc and um i've i've been using the uh xbox one controller which is my standard pc controller and have been using the d-pad which i never really used before which i feel like for fighting games actually works pretty well i mean for fighting games in general you're supposed to be either using an arcade stick or a d-pad just because like thumbsticks aren't like accurate enough unless you got like notches in your thumbstick port to like really know like to hit the the quarter circle forwards and yeah to get the the upright and the down left and all that that very precise stuff that you need and so i've been using the the d-pad and um i'm just i'm i'm kind of curious though like what is the preferred fighting game controller on pc because well, this you gotta D-pad, get a stick now we gotta get you a fighting stick and then yeah <laughs> i don't know if i want to play with a fighting stick though. i don't know yeah maybe, i don't maybe like the idea shot. of I don't a know. fighting stick either i know that even at like evo and some high competitive level plays you still see people using playstation and xbox controllers so i mm-hmm. think those are totally fine i love the sort of i don't know if it's nine grid d-pad of the elite controller i don't know Mm. why i mean xbox should probably make that that's standard 
D-pad, it's it feels really great. I think that is the standard from what we've seen from the Scar um, <laughs> uh, project Series <laughs> X. Oh, what are we? Yeah, Series X. That's the. <laughs> there you go. The Scarlet's out there. People know that name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. That's not a secret. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's what we've seen from the uh, Series X controller so far. So yeah, that's exciting. It'll become more standard. I, I PS4 might be a good. A good controller to use, although there's not like a official PS4 dongle that you can just like plug into the PC and use natively. Like I think you can use any Bluetooth dongle, but then I never like pairing Bluetooth stuff on Windows. It's just a bit of a faff. So I don't know. I'll keep trying. I've got one of those Super Nintendo controllers from 8-Bit Doe. I might I might try as well. Oh, that would be great. And that's like D D pad forward too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that was great it's for a little bit of a squishier D pad, but it's worth a try. Never know. So I'll, uh, I'll keep checking in on this for, for those who want some kind of quick and easy recommendations. <laughs> uh, I've really enjoyed a fighting game recently called million Arthur Arcana blood, which I think is based on a you, manga or something. That's from an AI generator title generator, right? <laughs> I think so. Uh, but basically it's like, from what I can get from the story, it's like some world where the legend of King Arthur is like, King Arthur is reincarnated what? millennium after millennium. And there's also always like a King Arthur to defend the earth from all these like existential threats. But the King Arthur's spirit is kind of like reborn in People, it could be all sorts of different people, like man or woman and whatever. Uh, but basically, like, they can also time travel and pull other King Arthurs from the future and from the past. And so Are you get, like, a really nice mix. Arthur? No, they have different, like, their human names okay. from maybe, like, before they became King Arthur. I don't know. It, it's it's weird. What <laughs> a fiction. They all have, like, the Excalibur, and there's, like, a Merlin that guides them along, I think. I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I've not read the manga or seen any animes or whatever but it's uh i say take that book readers we've got richer <laughs> fiction right here in video games and fighting games at that it, it's it's a good fighting game because it has like it has the kind of like fun mobility of those japanese air dash fighters like blaze blue and stuff like that but it's uh the controls are like consistent between fighters and so it doesn't take a lot of relearning if you're going to be hopping between folks and um it has like a interesting uh, system of kind of like a card battler that's happening at the same time in a way you can select a loadout of three support cards on your way into a battle oh. and then you can summon those to perform kind of like one-off attacks during the battles and um yeah i'm just having a lot of fun like learning it's a pretty small cast of characters by fighting game standards which are usually absurd uh it's only got like 13 characters including like yori from king of fighters for some reason just kind of <laughs> hanging out with all the king arthurs <laughs> well the, you know king the king is the thread there i guess yeah there we go yeah <laughs> it's the king of fighters so why not but uh yeah it's uh i i just like you know the consistent controls between fighters which just means that like you know you can uh you get the sense of how they like move and and feel different as you jump from fighter fighter, fighter to fighter but you don't have to relearn complicated combos and it all uh it all flows pretty nicely so i'm enjoying that uh as well as dozens of other maybe not dozens at this point hundreds maybe like Maybe, yeah, maybe like a dozen other fighting games that I've been really enjoying playing. So that's uh, that's what I've been up to. <laughs> Sorry, I've uh, invited you on as the guest and then I've just been talking about I my own this. life. <laughs> I, I mean, so my fighting game tastes obviously are, you know, kind of 
basic B. I'm I play Mortal Kombat. I will mess with like one of the mainstream Street Fighter recent ones. Yeah, I do. I I actually like that complete insano story that they've got going on. <laughs> Did you ever play Injustice Two? I have Injustice Two, and I don't know if I beat it, but that's another game with a one of the great nether realm yeah. stupid storylines <laughs> that is just yeah I, I like that they've done all this sort of equipment stuff and had fun with it but you recently uh told me about that that new game new fighting game coming out that looks really crazy the arxis it's not grand blue is it um there's there is a grand blue fighting game that has just come out and then there's an uh there's a new guilty gear that's guilty coming out gear. later this year it's kind of just like next level up on the presentation of the already spectacular Exerd series. I'm going to give that a shot because the uh, old PS1, I believe, or maybe it was two, uh, Guilty Gear box art, uh, that character on the front cover is like forever burned into my memory. Yeah. Guilty Gear, it's a, it's a solid series. You know, I've been playing Exerd Rev 2, but uh, again, just so many... So many fighting games. I just like, I love taking, taking a sampler plate and just uh, getting little bits and pieces and learning what makes them different and seeing all the characters and stuff. Fun. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the first track that you're bringing in is from a recent game that uh, is fighting game adjacent, we'll say. <laughs> yeah. Um, you never know when you, when I come on the show, if I'm going to do one of my Ryan wants to talk about new games or Ryan wants to talk about old games, uh, sort of stuff. And I figured I would, um, kind of go in between. This is the most contemporary of all my examples today, but, uh, I'm really excited about Streets of Rage 4. I loved the old Streets of Rage, played them with my brothers when I was young. And, uh, this is actually by, uh, this particular track, their back is by, uh, Yuzo uh, Koshiro mm -hmm. or Koshiro. Yeah. Um, and that was one of the composers who worked on the original Streets of Rage. And so there's many composers, um, especially classic uh, video game composers that are on the soundtrack. But this guy's the real deal. He's doing the title track and a few tracks uh, sprinkled throughout. And um, yeah, I just think this sounds like what if retro futurism but like sega beat nintendo or something yeah so this um just came out earlier this week as of the time of recording would have been last week by uh, the time this releases and it's um i've uh I, I played i'm about four levels into it and i started on normal and i kind of i've gotten to a point where it's really kind of kicking my butt mm. <laughs> and then i saw uh, a couple of the um, kind of beat em up um, uh, veterans on the Canerance Discord saying like having a great time with it, playing it through on easy. And so I was wondering, like, <laughs> do you play these types of games on easy first? Did I do it wrong by <laughs> jumping into normal, assuming that was the? I mean, there were two difficulty levels, I think, higher than the one that I picked even. I think that maybe that is the case, because if you have the option, I don't know if the game lets you like scale up or down at any point, but I'm always for start low and then scale up. And I know other uh, other types of gamers are like start as high as possible and then scale down if it doesn't feel good. But the the history of Streets of Rage and all these sort of arcade beat em up games is to eat your quarters, right? Make you hit as many continues and as many deaths as possible um, while not quite pushing you to the, the point where you don't want to play the game anymore. And so I would imagine it's tuned for an... If it's his, you know, tuned historically, then it's tuned for a difficulty that's just enough to make you go, why am I, 
I don't want to continue. I just want to get through the level and listen to this track and swing some pipes and bats and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, do you have a favorite character or anything? I have get this. I have listened to the soundtrack, have not played the game yet. So it's on Game Pass. I'm going to be getting into it. That's oh, another okay. one of the games I was frozen with today. Now that, now that I'm realizing it. Great. Um, yeah, it's uh, on Game Pass, both on console and PC. It's also, uh, from what I've heard, runs really well on Switch. If you don't mind spending the money and prefer a handheld experience. So plenty of places to play Streets of Rage 4. Um, do you have a history with the series or with uh, Koshiro's work? Uh, I played Streets of Rage 1, 2, and 3, and I've probably played... I know I've beat one of them once, <laughs> but it's usually like the go-to if... Uh, even as we got older and got into our early 20s, like my brothers and I, if we had a beer or there was nothing to do, it's the type of game where you can like hand to somebody who doesn't really play video games. And as long as they can keep kind of respawning on you, you can kind of have a fun time. So I enjoyed one, two and three to know that. And I and I generally like when somebody does attempt to modernize a series. So I'm really curious as to how this game feels and if the beat em up still has a place in the video game pantheon in 2020. This track, of course, uh, Yuzo Koshiro is kind of an old school Sega composer. Actually, it reminded me a lot of uh, Richard Jacques' uh, soundtrack for Sonic R, the uh, on foot racing game from the Sega Saturn. So I guess there must have been some sort of uh, uh, early Sega sound that is still kind of uh, permeating through the modern day. It's kind of uh, kind of fun. Yeah, it's it's a ton of I think as you listen to the track, there's a ton of sounds you don't hear anymore in music with the uh, the orchestra hits um, that like synthesized orchestra hits and the piano that is clearly a keyboard that is is kind of mixed to be so clean. There's no echo. There's basically mm. no reverb and it, it. You hear every single note super bright. And I that's a sound that I feel like I haven't heard in, in a long time, maybe since the 90s. So. Um, it's cool that this is back. Uh, let's get on to the next piece, which is very different. It's from, uh, I, I guess, actually, the um, Sega connection kind of runs through there. Yeah. Uh, this is a piece called Spagonia Day by Kenichi Tokoi from Sonic Unleashed, which I have said before and will continue to say is a surprisingly like top tier soundtrack of a game that like I think a lot of people skipped over which I I mean I skipped the game myself like I you know I don't know w whether it was like one of the better Sonic games but I know that it was that it had an incredible soundtrack and so you know one of my biggest recommendations is like seek out the Sonic Unleashed soundtrack you're not <laughs> going to be disappointed every track is a banger just about that's awesome and uh very uh diverse as well because uh, it's kind of a globetrotting adventure I think kind of set in uh, real world ish locations or places that are based on real world locations and um this one is uh has a very kind of european sound to it it's um it's a very uh nice uh, i want to say probably accordion piece um yeah with some sure. other kind of supporting instruments as well i quite like sonic mania and i came very close to renting the sonic movie last night actually but uh <laughs> but i didn't I listened to this piece uh, after I saw it in, in the sort of run of show, and I I really loved it because I actually studied piano at a music school that 
their primary specialty was actually teaching accordion. So if you if you want, I can be your accordion buddy to confirm the the accordion. But you I don't know if this is a digital accordion or what, but I definitely feel like you can hear the instrument breathing. That's the big thing on the accordion of the yeah. air moving in and out. And yeah, this feels like I'm back in time in Europe and having a, you know, an espresso while people drive by on scooters. It's a really cool sound and it brought me back to my childhood hearing um you know really nice accordion being played this is spagonia day from sonic unleashed
keeping up the good mood with another light and pleasant track. This is a piece from uh, Wander Song. Uh, this is a request from the forum uh, coming from T-Bone254, who says, I found out about Wander Song earlier this year when I saw it was available on Xbox Game Pass. <laughs> this is not paid promotion. This is <laughs> just coincidence. Hashtag um, not ad. <laughs> that's right. Not sponsored content. It's the second time it's come up. Uh, and I can't understand why it took so long to hear about it. It's a wonderful gem of a game that I had a blast playing through. The piece I've selected called Sailing with the Coffee Pirates is easily my favorite piece from the game. It's such a fun piece to listen to. It's as if the composers were able to take pure joy and turn it into a song. I love how this song is used in the game. During the sailing portion, the instrumental part of it plays, but as the ship moved around, the bard and the coffee pirates began singing. It's pure magic and I couldn't stop smiling through the whole scene. The camaraderie and joy of the bard and his pirate compatriots was infectious. Spent more time than I would like to admit, sailing around in circles so I could listen to the singing pirates, grinning from ear to ear the whole time. Yep, this is composed by Greg Labanov and Gordon McGlattery from Wander Song, which is a, uh, a, a wonderful game. Came out uh, on uh, Nintendo Switch, Xbox One, uh, Mac, PC, PS4, standard run of systems. Uh, is again available in Game Pass on I think both console and PC, and uh, is a uh, real um, real delight. It's been in a humble monthly, so you might already own it or have easy access to it. Uh, definitely um, a an uplifting game. Uh, have you have you played this one, Q? I've not. This is, but it was such a wonderful listen. I mean, it's the sound to me of really clean acoustic guitar being plucked is it, I think as close to timeless as a musical instrument can sound. It, it sounded good in the um, 14 and uh, <laughs> it sounds good uh, now to me anyway. A clean acoustic guitar. What a uh, white guy opinion to have. <laughs> the perfect instrument. <laughs> the perfect instrument was For getting babes in the dorm, you know? <laughs> yeah. Wander song is great. It's kind of a, it's kind of like a, point and click adventure type of game where you're um, going around this kind of 2d side on platformery world solving problems for people by singing oh. <laughs> once you hold down one of the shoulder buttons there opens up kind of a radial menu around you and each of the different uh, selections in this radial menu is a different note that your character can sing and so you can just kind of run along and sing all these different notes they're kind of corresponding with different colors kind of like a simon board and uh, there's all sorts of different things you can do with it. You can sing certain notes to cause plants to grow in different directions, to create platforms for you to reach higher places. You can play kind of a Simon Says Parappa the Rapper type of thing to dispel ghosts from homes. And um, you can sing in, you know, a band. And it's just uh, hmm. really kind of lighthearted and uh uh, very um, kind spirited adventures. It reminds me a lot of uh, Piku Niku, um, similar kind of tone and atmosphere. If uh, people enjoyed that as well. Cool. Anyways, this is a piece from Wonder Song called Sailing with the Coffee Pirates. <laughs>
Alright, a couple of uh, upbeat pieces in a row. Let's, um, let's get into a piece from Nier. Uh, actually, just today, as of the time of recording, I saw a trailer for the new Nier mobile game, which is interesting. Um, huh? That's I haven't seen this. Yeah, it's a big year for Nier, actually. Um, Nier is getting remasters on current platforms um, later this year, and it's getting a new mobile game called Nier uh, Rebirth or Reanimation or something. I don't remember. Reincarnation. Um, reincarnation, that's it. <laughs> and uh, Nier Automata is on uh, Game Pass now as well. So <laughs> to to add to the streak of of game pass games um <laughs> i think yeah, uh, you know when series. people hear it like at this point i think we've left ad territory and it's now <laughs> i mean they hit 10 million subscribers right so it's kind of just netflix it's like saying oh it's on netflix it's not a yeah it's a noun it's not even an ad anymore it's a public service right exactly. <laughs> to tell you that you don't need to pay for all these wonderful games that you can play well, i guess you do have to pay the subscription but it'll sure. keep you from uh splurging in steam sales perhaps i think if everybody had to pay legitimately twenty dollars to watch tiger king then nobody would have watched mm-hmm. it so these these things are considered free once you have them yeah yeah <laughs> It's weird what free means in the modern age. Yeah. Uh, anyways, um, this is a request from Simon Sloth from the forum who says, I've just, I've just been playing Nier and I'm incredibly impressed by the soundtrack. The ambient background themes are excellent and I love the additional layers which are, layered, which are added or removed contextually. I think you've already had three Nier songs in the show. Actually, there's been an entire Drakengard series special um, with uh, the Nier series well represented. So go back Mm. and check that one out. But not this one. If my search proves accurate, this track really makes me feel like I'm on a grand adventure and has a nautical matinee movie vibe about it. There's also a few bars that brings Akira Yamaoka's Silent Hill main theme to mind. Or maybe that's just me. I'm very interested in what a nautical matinee movie uh, vibe is. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I wonder if um, if anyone gets that from this as well and could kind of explain what that uh, what that means. I'm, I'm curious to learn. Please explain. Anyways, this is The Lost Forest by Keiichi Okabe, Kakeru Ishihama, Keigo Hawashi, and Takafumi Nishimura.
let's get into a piece from Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and it has also been a big week for Assassin's Creed. Yeah, it's so funny that uh, I don't know if, you know, subconsciously these tracks are or these games are in the consciousness right now. So uh, that's what makes you pick them. But I started playing Odyssey again this past week because I feel like the first time I played it, I didn't give it a really fair shake. I played it, tried to go back to back from it and Red Dead Two, And so it went from, you know, when I uh, hunt down an animal, it's this big, long thing. And then I, uh, you know, watch this elaborate carving animation, skin is being removed, things are talking, you're carrying the pelt to uh, shoot a deer with an arrow once and go up to and hit Y. And there's no animation, it just is in your inventory. And by the way, it's iron ore that could deposit it or something. <laughs> and so I reacted really negatively to it. Um, and I and I think I wasn't um, I wasn't really doing any effort to like try and meet the game where it was. Mm. And I c- fell off the Assassin's Creed series, but I'm about maybe 10, 12 hours in now. Uh, maybe that's way too long, but I just hit the BS Abstergo stuff. I don't know why they continue to keep that stuff in the Assassin's Creed game. It was totally fine without it. <laughs> but um yeah, I don't know. I'm really enjoying it this time. Maybe it's just I'm going COVID crazy, but uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey has become good. So it's sometimes it's worth taking a second look at a game. All right. Um, yeah, this is called Phoebe the Orphan uh, by The Flight from Assassin's Creed Odyssey. <laughs> make of this new Assassin's Creed Valhalla stuff that's come out over the last week? I'm interested in it. I think like after now having given Odyssey some amount of chance, uh, I'm really interested to see what a third party game looks like on the next generation consoles, um, which I guess people might already know what it looks like uh, by the time this episode comes out. I'm really interested to see what somebody or what Ubisoft does to a Viking game after in a a post God of War. Mm -hmm. And I'm really interested to see uh, how they change the formula after they've had a couple games in Ghost Recon and uh, that haven't quite hit their performance mark and people have been a little cold on it. So I wonder if that this is a Ubisoft who's ready to shake things up or make things a little bit different or more exciting in some way. 
I'm, I'm curious to see where this goes. The screenshots they've shown so far have, uh, have looked really nice. I always like to see Northern Lights and stuff whenever, yeah. you know, that's incorporated. It's a great piece of art design from the real world. I thought the reveal was fantastic. Like having an artist draw something yeah. in real time and thousands of people all talking about it and speculating. That's really cool. Yeah, that's a, that's a neat way to do things. I like it. I'm a little kind of lukewarm on the setting. Um, of course, you know, a lot has yet to be seen, but you know, I'm, I'm just kind of like, I kind of want an Assassin's Creed game that isn't centered around like, you know, I, I always complain about Assassin's Creed games being centered entirely around white people history. Even the games that don't like feature like white protagonists, like it's always when that culture is making contact with Europeans, like either in the, uh, crusades or um the time when uh, egypt and and greece were were very close and um it's just it feels like you know there's kind of this one path through history that they've pretty thoroughly explored and we've gotten very little from um you know pre-colonial native cultures or from yeah. eastern asia or you know there's so many other cool places in the world and different cultures and you know I'd, I'd love to see you know the japanese or chinese or indian cultures like before you know white people got involved yeah. pretty much like it just seems like such a different and cool approach and setting but um you know maybe maybe next time yeah maybe next time i i was also it's funny you say that because i didn't know whether or not to withhold uh this feedback but my very first snap reaction to it was what a wonderful excuse to make sure that you have a white protagonist again uh mm. in an assassin's creed game and i i know that you know odyssey is kind of uh, grecian in that way or uh, roman um, and, you know, you're starting to have shades of characters, but Vikings feels like a regression in that way, right? Like back to the blonde haired, blue eyed people that are, you know, <laughs> um, dressed in armor and carrying axes, all that sort of stuff. So it, it's funny because the series has roots in like Middle Eastern, right? With the yeah. um, initial Assassin's Creed. So, you know, that and Egypt, I think that there's way more to be mined from all of the culture that's out there, like you said. Yeah, for sure. But again, you know, of course, we're keeping an open mind until we really see and learn more about the game. Um, looks uh, looks interesting. The last two have been good. Uh, and so, you know, I'm uh, curious to see where this goes. It feels uh, it, my only fear is that it's going to feel a little too Skyrim. Mm. I'm really kind of like burnt out on that particular setting. <laughs> so, yeah, cold fantasy. Yeah, snowy Viking uh, architecture and battle axes and stuff like I just... I don't want it to be another Skyrim. <laughs> but anyways, that's that. Let's move on to something entirely different. Um, this is a piece that I've I've always loved, but I'm surprised has never been on Sound of Play before. Uh, it's um, kind of a little bit kind of quieter, weirder, and creepier, but it's a, um, a wonderful piece from the always reliably interesting, sonically Amity to design uh, for their point-and-click adventure game Machinarium. Machinarium also included on Game Pass to keep the streak going. <laughs> um, this is a piece called Clockwise Operetta by Thomas Dvorak, who um, just really kind of embodies this super cool sound of this kind of like mechanized, soulless future with, you know, little bits of almost like a, a spirit of will of 
sentience kind of creeping back into a world that has long been abandoned from by anything that's like really biologically living. Um, and I think this piece uh, communicates that really well. Uh, it kind of sets the stage with a really kind of bleak and gloomy sounding uh, opening, but injects like a really interesting, almost like a whistling pattern that uh, serves as kind of a, almost a melody in a way. And then some um, kind of heavily auto-tuned voices come in later in the piece. And it just creates a really interesting sound um, when it's all together. Uh, do you have any history with any of Amanita Design's games from Samaros to Botanicula to Machinarium? No, I, I remember Machinarium being kind of a, uh, a keystone of uh, what a good game looks like on iOS for a while. Mm-hmm. And yeah, hearing this song, uh, I agree with you. Yeah, the feeling of space, and but the feeling of like old metal <laughs> technology yeah. is so present in it. Yeah, it's a cool piece. Another very cool soundtrack if people are into something a little bit uh, more kind of mellow and foreboding, perhaps. Um, but yeah, there's some uh, some great stuff in there. So this is Clockwise Operetta from Mechanarium. Wow! 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 
Let's kick off with another interesting indie video game soundtrack. This is uh, another soundtrack I was really impressed by. Uh, why don't you introduce this next piece? So this is uh, Lo- Los Manglares by Ram DePrisco from Guacamelee 2. And uh, Guacamelee 2 is one of the games that uh, I revisited in the past few weeks and I committed to beating. I loved the first one. I played it on Vita and this one I played, surprise, surprise, on Game Pass. Uh, <laughs> and um, we... Uh, I kind of played through it, and one of the great things is there's a lot of great music in this game, especially um, if you're into Latin music or uh, you just love the sound of kind of like really quickly strumming and and great beats. But uh, this song keeps coming back as you go off and you do little side things or you go inside of a house or something, um, and the track shifts, you come back outside, and this track sort of re- uh, resumes or starts over again. And so you hear this track so much during a swath of the game that it really becomes almost burned in your memory, like a, like an old school super Nintendo game or something, but it's also just, it slaps. It's got great, uh, um, horns in it that I love to just like, they're with me forever. This entire soundtrack is super interesting. It kind of lives in a space that is kind of, um, feels like it's built around like modern uh, kind of uh, electronic type video gamey music. Yeah. Then it layers in um, mariachi, more kind of traditional Mexican flavor to it as accents. And then also accents it on the other side with the like even more kind of technical um, chip tune sound as well. And so you get these three like very almost discordant sounds together uh, throughout the soundtrack and it's um it blends into like a super memorable sound um that uh there's really nothing else like it yeah the boss theme in particular right is is the perfect example of what you're talking about like the undercurrent of it is uh is something that would be at home in an, in an 8-bit game and then you put the mariachi stuff and then you put like an edm drum beat on top of it and it's yeah. it really works <laughs> What do you think of the game itself? How are you getting along with that? I beat it. It's really good. Oh, great. Um, yeah. Gosh, I, 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 I certainly think that it's funny going to it a little bit late. A bunch of the jokes are ineffective. I think I would love, <laughs> I would love a way to kind of skip some of the dialogue that the game makes you sit through, mm-hmm. but the multiverse the stuff of, is still funny though. <laughs> yes. Or the Mexiverse it, as they call it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, there, there's a great tribute to it. Um, speaking of fighting games, there's a great street fighter. Yeah. Tribute <laughs> where you just kind of show up in this, uh, ship bay port and, uh, some guy talks about how he saved up all of his money for a car. And then you <laughs> proceed to street fighter style, punch and kick the car until it is uh, nothing except for a frame and, and wheels. And he's just devastated. Um, so really a f- super fun game to play. I thought it was great platforming and it felt, you know, just as tighter, tighter than the first game. Yeah. I enjoyed this one. Um, I, uh, I felt it went on a little bit too long. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> There were some portions that got like a little difficult that kind of required some grinding, which is fine. But 
the map isn't that easy to navigate. <laughs> so if you're trying to get to somewhere completely on the opposite side of the map, then uh, sometimes it could be a little bit of an ordeal to, to get there. Yeah, I mean, UX wise, put in some fast travel. Let me skip uh, longer uh, cutscenes or cutscenes of dialogue that maybe I'm not just jamming with. I agree with you. There was just some points where it was just boom, death, boom, death, boom, death. Yeah. That I was like, feeling like I was throwing my head against the wall, but I managed to make it through and I thought the ending um, kind of had a fun um, little mexiverse payoff to it. So yeah, there, there is a fast travel system, but it's, it's done lousy. via like discrete gates and sometimes the gates are closed and it's just like, it feels almost more hassle to work with the fast travel system than it is to uh, just walk there. Anyways, this is, uh, this is from Guacamelee 2.
I'm bringing in a piece from my childhood. This is from a game. Have you ever heard of this before? Star Wars Demolition. I mean, I'm sure I have, but I, I, it does not ring <laughs> any bells. This is a PlayStation and Dreamcast game. That's basically a reskin of Twisted Metal, but with Star Wars vehicles. <laughs> what? And okay. uh, it's it's one of those that people often point to as like, boy, the Star Wars series really, you know, didn't have a good brand manager back in the day. This and like Super Bomb Bad Racing. But I, I really liked this game. And, uh, you know, we all have our guilty pleasures. I don't know how well this game would hold up if I were to go back to it today. I don't know how old, how well the old uh, Twisted Metals would hold up if I were to go back to them today. But uh, I, I found this really uh, to be a lot of fun. There was um, you can go to like a variety of Star Wars worlds. There were some great kind of Star Wars Easter eggs and all these different planets like Hoth and Cloud City and Dagobah and uh, Jabba's Palace. And and then you can, uh, you can play as all these different uh, Star Wars vehicles from the like the droid tank from the prequel trilogy to mm-hmm. uh, there's the, like a droid uh, snow glider too yeah yeah is a rancor on there am i saying yeah that's right you can be uh the rancor with his trainer i forget his name uh on his back that's um, so funny you can be uh darth maul on his little hover bike thing <laughs> It's, so um, everything you need to know about this game is said with two blurbs that they have here on the cover from the creators of Vigilante 8 and <laughs> Vigilante 8 Second Event. <laughs> and it says total vehicular carnage in a galaxy far, far away. You know, normally I would I would call you out and say that say, picking a Star Wars game is a cheat because it's Star Wars music and it's all Star Wars music is good. But this mm-hmm. is so distinct and different mm-hmm. that I thought it was really, really cool. Yeah, there's some really nice remixes of some Star Wars themes. I, I've i seen the Star Wars movies a bunch, but I don't know the soundtracks well enough to know if like every piece of music is a remix or whether there's original pieces in there as well. There's a couple that really don't ring a bell. It's a piece called Cloud City. It plays in Cloud City, obviously. And I just, um, I really like this piece. It's so kind of uh, desperate and flailing towards the end. Like it, it starts off just kind of like a, like a cool, almost kind of militaristic um, type of uh, song. And then towards like the latter quarter of the song, it just like really kind of brings in some kind of wild and unexpected brass to do some uh, cool counter melodies and stuff that um i don't know just really kind of get my uh get my foot tapping uh this was one of those old games where you can take the playstation disc and put it in a cd player and as long oh. as you remember to skip track one which just sounded like a complete disaster you could listen to the uh the game soundtrack i love that yeah it was it's also in the that ps1 era has so many of these sort of like would be like flashy action games that the that era of systems both n64 and ps1 could not really pull off the grandeur i'm sure like a new take on this with modern hardware would actually be kind of thrilling yeah this is the kind of game i don't see getting made in this day and age where it feels like i guess ever since ea has owned the star wars license they've treated all of the games that they've, I mean, like both of the games yeah. that they've really, I guess there's three <laughs> now, whatever. Yeah. Uh, they've treated them all like such like big deal, self-serious, like very serious. Star Wars is canonical within the Star Wars universe. And it's like, yeah, it, it's all very like reverent and respectful in a way that like the older Star Wars games weren't. 
And I kind of like I kind of preferred that where you used to have, you know, side scrolling platformers and you used to have the cart racer with the characters with the big heads. And yeah. it's just like, who cares? Like, it's fun. It's Star Wars. And we're all just having a laugh. Like, yeah, I'm super looking forward yeah. to that. The re-release on Switch of Episode One Racer. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that's a great game. So, uh, yeah, um, this is, uh, probably not something that's ever going to see a re-release or anything like that. Probably the only way to play it now would be to dig up, a an emulator or, or an old disc somewhere, but it's, um, and a lot of with fun. the disc that you clearly already own. And then- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have this tucked away somewhere. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. I remember playing hours and hours and hours of this back when I was younger and, um, really enjoying my time with it for what it's worth. So this is. Cloud City from Star Wars Demolition.
track to listen to yet today, uh, but before we do that, we wanted to remind everyone to head over to canonrinse.com forum or tweet us uh, at canonrinse uh, where you can request your favorite pieces of video game music and we'll play them on future Sounds of Play. Uh, we have several other shows on the Canon Rinse uh, Collective now. Um, there is the Canon Rinse Podcast, which is our kind of flagship lead uh, video game uh, art history podcast where we talk about games uh, in greater depth than anyone really wants or needs. It's a, it's a, it's a great show. It's been going on for a very long time. It has a huge backlog of games. Um, so, you know, people often recommend go out and pick, uh, you know, pick and choose your favorite games. I will say the opposite, pick and choose the episodes featuring the games you've never heard of before, because uh, those are always... <laughs> Uh, without exception, almost the most interesting podcasts uh, to, to get to learn something new about a game that has not crossed your um, crossed your radar before. I've it's led to many a game purchase for me. <laughs> I was just going to say that, that it has the unfortunate consequence of making you go, I need to buy this thing. And then you find out, oh, my God, it's so hard to get a hole or something like that. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but worth it. Oftentimes, I, I would never have found Rhythm Heaven if it weren't for Cane and Rinse, and that is one of my all-time favorite series now. So wow. definitely worth exploring the games that you've not heard of or uh, seen before. Anyways, uh, we have a couple of other shows on the network. There is the Sausage Factory, which comes out every Friday, which is interviews with uh, game developers. And uh, the Playwright podcast, which is celebrating its, uh, is it 150 I think Check. we're on 150 episodes. 150 episodes. Wow. Um, this week, actually. So tomorrow, hopefully, if I can do the edit in time, uh, <laughs> um, we'll be hitting our 150th episode. I say we because it is the two of us that that record that show. Sound of play, if that does video game music, and Can of Rinse is an art history, and Sausage Factory is how games are made, we are pitching ideas for crazy video games, not and sometimes not so crazy, that uh, would maybe one day be reviewed, have soundtracks, uh, and you can interview the developers of. So... Uh, H and I uh, get together. We call ourselves Q and H, obviously, because we're both Ryan's, and mm-hmm. um, we we pitch different ideas, and we also have listeners that write in. So if you're a Sound of Play listener and you love video game music, maybe you have two games with very disparate soundtracks that you'd like to see smashed together or something like that. But write in to us, or just tweet us at Playwrightcast, or you can write in at Playwrightcast at gmail dot com and just pitch us video games, and then. You know, you can find out by listening if we end up talking about uh, an inception of those two games on the show. But it's super fun and uh, it's creative and it's often silly um, and always slightly blue, too. So <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of what would you say? Are we the chaser to the shot of Kane and Rince? Yeah, um, it's it's a good creative outlet. Um, we, of course, we love hearing from the community and your own video game pitches and ideas. Uh, we workshop all sorts of different ideas. Um, it's just kind of like a, it's very fun. It kind of, you know, hopefully broadens your horizons as to what you, um, think video games can do and become. Yeah. And every, I find for me, and this has probably happened to different listeners too, 
you will probably end up seeing an indie game or some game that comes out that you're like, wow, this feels like it came out of Playwright. <laughs> so yeah, that kind of uncanny feeling happens to us quite a bit. Anyways, um, that is, uh, again, hitting its 150th episode this week. So uh, never a better time to jump into it. Plenty of uh, lots of backlog. And uh, I'd say, you know, if if you like the show, um, the backlog, like the show doesn't change significantly over time. So like no reason not to go backwards. It's not like a news podcast where we're like kind of like keeping up with the current events. It's it age as uh, well. Evergreen. Yeah. Playwrights like a fine wine. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Um, anyways, that, those are all on the Canterman's network. If you'd like to support the entire collective, you can do so by um, dropping by our Patreon at patreon.com slash Canterman's. Anyways, uh, I just want to thank uh, Q for joining me today. Um, I'll talk to you again in just a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. And I expect, uh, I, I need to drop by again on this show at some point in the near future, because when you asked me to come on, I actually assembled something like five or six different songs. Oh, so yeah, I've got sure. more in the bank, uh, and I'm ready when you are. Great. Well, we'll make that happen then. Uh, this last track is a piece from a recent JRPG, and I saved it to last because it might be a little polarizing, but I find it to be a lot of fun. Um, this comes from Richard from the forum who says, I've been spending the first part of 2020 trying to tackle my backlog, which includes AI, the Somnium Files, um, Katara Uchi, Uchikoshi's bizarre visual novel adventure game. It's slow moving plot and strange gameplay mixed with the most juvenile jokes possible, make it a hard recommendation for a general audience, but I'm enjoying it thoroughly and would advise anyone who played and loved Zero Escape series to give it a try. Much of the soundtrack is tense and contemplative, which makes this piece Invincible Rainbow Arrow all the more welcome when it makes its appearance. It's ridiculously over-the-top cheeriness and optimism put a huge smile on my face. Also, kudos for Ryan for including another track for this game in the excellent 2019 medley. Oh, thank you. Another stunning compilation of music from one of the best years in gaming. That's right. This is Invincible Rainbow Arrow Vocal Solo by Keisuke Ito from AI, The Somnium Files, or Owl, The Somnium Files, depending on how you want to read that. This is a uh, a game that I own but have not played. It's... Uh, it's uh, one of the ones that the developer sent us um, when I was working at Nintendo because we had a, a very good relationship with uh, Spike Chunsoft, even though those Danganronpa games still haven't been released on Switch last time I checked. That's all right. Uh, good I, games, I can... though. <laughs> yeah, listening to this track, I man, it is a choice. It's a capital C choice. <laughs> uh, and again, not representative of the tone of the game, but <laughs> that's what I like about visual novels is those times when they break consistency and do something completely unexpected totally so anyways so let's leave off on that we'll catch you uh, catch you tomorrow in playwright come join us for our big 150 and then come join us again in a few weeks for our what is it three year anniversary we always do something big we did a a faux e3 show last year we might do something similar this year We'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see so um, that's, uh, that's us for today. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Teacups that are flying on maps mystifying. 
you'll think that I'm hiking this old tale of mine. A journey through time. A permanent fire, cold frost on the pyre, fruit never expires. You've seen in your eyes. You've seen in your mind. While the old father heads, while the blind meet the blind, the marble loses shine, the eye clouds by design. But we know in our soul the one hope. Clouds by design, but we know in our soul the one hope, the one truth that it.